Hello, listener, and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Ibell, and I've run out of fun facts to say about myself. This chat is with co-founder and creative director at Six Point Harness Studios, Greg Franklin. And in fact, Six Point is coming up on its 20th anniversary, so happy anniversary to them. Now, through the years, Greg has worked on a ton of projects, including the Oscar-winning short film Hair Love, Guava Island, and Cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And most recently, and what we'll be chatting about, is how he came to direct the animation for Tignataro's latest stand-up comedy set called Drawn, which you can find on HBO. Now, Greg is also going to share how he originally became an animator back in the day by doing professional wrestling, what it was like founding a studio, and how he's been able to keep things going for the last 20 years. So now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hey, Greg. How, Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, I'm super pumped to chat about everything you've been working on. And we were just chatting about uh, Franken mm-hmm. Frankenhooker, which is Frankenhooker a, a poster on you, behind you. I don't. Can yeah, you give me yeah. like a five se- second, two sentence overview of why what the movie's about and why I should watch it? Well, Frankenhooker. It's directed by Frank Henenlotter, who also directed The Genius uh, Basket Case and Brain Damage. Uh, low-budget horror comedy. Uh, Frankenhooker is about a scientist whose uh, bride dies on the wedding day in a tragic lawnmower accident, and so he puts her back together with the help and spare parts of uh, hookers around the city of New York, and puts her puts her back together. And of course, things uh, don't quite go as planned. But as I mentioned before, Bill Murray said, if you only see one movie this year, it should be Frankenhooker, which is right right on the poster. I think I'm just going to so, go watch that right after this. <laughs> I love that premise. <laughs> what the heck? fantastic okay now serious chat animation (laughs) let's get serious now yeah well you just finished up work on uh tig nataro's uh yes the whole hours and hours of stand-up comedy that you've completely animated Mm -hmm. and like you know i've seen a a bunch of stuff from it and you didn't really you kind of did like a hodgepodge of like experimental animation and like it just looks Mm -hmm. like a super fun time i don't know can you tell me a little bit about the project and then i'm have a million questions about how it came to be Absolutely. Well, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it is the first of its kind animated hour long special. There have been, you know, as, as, as you've surely seen in the past, like little snippets of animated standup. A lot of them are kind of fan made, uh, you know, they're, they're as a, as a, a great bit and an animator will kind of illustrate it and, and put their own jokes in. Um, this is the first kind of, it's the same idea, but brought to an absurdly long length, a full, a full uh, hour-long animated special, which has never been done before. And I am incredibly proud to have been a part of it because I, I made a lot of those, you know, little snippets in the past. And, and uh, I, I think it's an incredibly fun thing to do as an animator and they're fun to watch. And it's really fascinating to see the kind of interplay between, uh, you know, stand-up comic and a, and a cartoonist. You know, it kind of is like a, you know, uh, my my chocolate got in your peanut butter. No, my peanut butter got in your chocolate. Kind of, you know, make some two great tastes that go great together. Nice and <laughs> yeah, because like you know, you have the stand-up jokes, but then you've got a whole bunch of animation jokes in there. And uh, mm-hmm. you, so, okay, why is this the first? Like immediately, it reminded me of like Midnight Gospel, where like animating. Sure podcasts people talking like why is this suddenly a thing do you think it's taking off like because because what's what's stopping me from just playing this in the background and doing something and not watching it on animation like why did hbo or why did you pitch it as an animated thing well i think that well tignataro uh, i mean obviously one of the top comedians right now probably you know in my opinion is probably the funniest person alive um she is she she wanted to do this and she has um all of her specials are are, are, are innovative in some way you know um i don't know if you know too much about her story but she's gone through a lot in her life and uh you know she's she's manages to find ways to to kind of reinvent you know her comedy constantly and this is an idea that she wanted to do for a while like a full mm-hmm. 
animated special and it just kind of came into fruition and and you know to kind of backtrack a little bit on your question like why now i mean one kind of obvious reason although or i guess one obvious assumption might be that the pandemic is a way to do you know i mean animation all productions everywhere uh kind of got derailed except for animation you know animation kind of kept going and people were able to you know work at home and and uh, at least in the 2D world, you know, we're able to kind of work at home. And uh, so this actually predates the pandemic, though, which is really interesting because she she came to us. It was in October of 2019 when we first met with her about this. And she was aware of my, you know, my, my past uh, uh, animated clips, you know, for, for stand up that I had done. I had done one with... Um, Kyle Kinane, I'd uh, done with White Sinak, uh, Jackie Cation was the one that she loved the most. Um, and those are all up on YouTube if anybody wants to go spelunking into the depths of YouTube and find those. Um, but uh, she, she was aware you know, of who I was and, and had actually contacted me a decade ago about doing one, which due to various reasons never you know, wow. wasn't able to, uh, to, to work out. But when we, when we met with her, I was kind of wondering, like, is she going to remember me? Cause now I have glasses and my beard is a lot longer and grayer <laughs> and crazier. And I could tell she didn't really recognize me at first, but when I started talking about those things, she said, uh, wait, what's your, what's your name again? But I told her and she, she, she had, you know, five people with her and she was just like pounded the table. That's who I, I was talking to you guys about. So I was like, <laughs> okay. Everybody on my side of the table just kind of shrank back and she started saying like, okay, so how would we do this bit? Blah, blah, blah. We just started working on it. Almost you didn't even have to pitch it. Like there was no RFP. Well, I, I did. I did make a big pitch because it didn't have a network, you know, so I did create a, uh, you know, yeah, at the time there was. Okay. We so she, she literally came to you and said, look, I have this special that doesn't mm -hmm. exist in anybody's yeah. hands right now. It's just right. film or audio mm -hmm. or whatever can you animate it? And together you like came up with a, a package and mm -hmm. proposed it to networks. That's exactly right. Wow. Exactly that's right. Incredible. So, so, you know, I, I, I kind of put all my stuff in a, you know, in a, uh, you know, like a, like a little web page that had all my work on it and sent it along. And it's like, well, what are we going to do for this? So I kind of felt like it was mine to lose. And I, I just, uh, kind of jumped in and made the presentation of my life basically you know, and uh, went through all the bits I had, you know, kind of a very rough edit of the bits they wanted to do. And, um, you know, her and, and, and Thomas Olit, who had kind of edited something together, he, there were 48 hours worth of, of, of tapes. You know, these were tapes that were made at Largo, uh, which is a big comedy theater down here. Um, and, and so there was 48 hours worth and, and Thomas is a like, kind of a genius because he took all he listened to everything and he created this spreadsheet where all of the bits were kind of cataloged and ranked in terms of strength and he basically edited his own that his together. own personal humor like he was like i like this joke and i don't <laughs> like this joke <laughs> i mean it's pretty objective to be fair like the audience reaction okay, is, okay. you know tells you what if it succeeded or not um you know, and, and a lot of it was very loose, you know, like this, these are the tapes, the tapes we were working with were the tapes that, you know, a comedian of Tig's stature would take and craft a hour long special out of and then perform it, you know, and then perform it somewhere. So you, you do like two or three tapings of it and it's a whole production with multiple cameras and multiple microphones all around, you know, like they mic the audience and the, the clean channel of, of the stand-up's voice. We didn't have any of that. You know, our, we were kind of approaching it almost more like a found footage almost because the audience that you hear laughing on the special is, is that's coming off of Tig's mic. Hmm. You know, it's just a direct from the board from this right off the soundboard recording. And so, you know, that's, that's what we had. And, and so 
once we had that, I sat down with my editor, uh, Tony Christofferson, and we, we did a deeper dive. And, you know, we had this amazing, you know, <laughs> Thomas Ulit made it. And we, cut, we ended up calling the spreadsheet the Thomas Guide, which is a kind of Southern California joke for you. Um, but uh, old school. And uh, so he, you know, we would, we would see that there were five times that a certain bit got done. And we would, we would listen to all five and go like, you know, that one time she said that one thing was funnier than in the one that that's kind of like the, the hero, you know, and so we would kind of put it all together. And then like our genius audio team at Esho Sound was able to kind of seamlessly make it work. I was really worried that it was going to be, uh, that the audio was going to be usable, you know, wow. um, but uh he, he is a genius and was able to kind of stitch it together seamlessly. So you had already uh, done a ton of development before you even started trying to get a network involved. Mm -hmm. Like you, you were like, yeah. and like, this is a project right. I'm going all in on. I'm assuming TIG, like, you know, and you put in investment to like get the editing and all that stuff done well, in the we, development? Well, not in not in the development part because we had we had the the we knew what bits were going to be in there roughly there were some changes during production where like a certain bit would get removed and another bit would take its place um, but like I had ninety percent of it and so I kind of would would sit there and think like what animation style because we knew it was going to be all different styles for each bit. And so it's like, what style goes with this bit, you know, and, and why, and, and what is the reason? And so that was kind of my initial, um, you know, presentation was talking about things like, you know, she has this great bit of, you know, where she talks about her, um, her friends not helping her when her wisdom teeth got removed. And it's a great story. Um, uh, you know, her girlfriend didn't drive her back. So she drove herself back from getting her wisdom teeth taken out. And, and it's hilarious <laughs> and it just keeps building, but it's like, so what, what do you, what do you put with that? And so I kind of took a step back and thought like thematically, the story is about, um, you know, kind of people that are attractive in your life, but they're not there for you. You know, they're not, they're not, thoughtful they're not conscientious and they're like the beautiful people and it got me thinking about uh you know kind of the, the jet setter kind of illustrations from like the 60s 70s that you see in magazines and 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 things like bob peak and robert mcginnis and all these great you know master illustrators from that time and i'm like why don't we kind of do something like that and I would explain it like that to, to Tig and she would go like, oh, that looks great, you know? Um, and we just did that through the whole, you know, sometimes a bit would just be pure comedy. Like there's nothing, there's, there, it's just, it's just funny, you know? And we would go with like a kind of a comedic look, like something that, um, like the old bat, you know, bit where she's staying with this old woman who's super annoying. We went with kind of a, we started with kind of Looney Tunes, but then we kind of morphed it into something a little bit more modern and kind of iterated uh, into like a cool look. And there was like a, you know, a bit about her love of the, the late Eddie Van Halen. And we decided to go with kind of a 80s, you know, music video kind of look. And, you know, we just kind of went from there. That sounds like um, so much fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I got to tell you my favorite one. Yes, was please. The, the, um, this, this bit that kind of got added later. Well, well uh, the only one that, that Tig and her team kind of had a premeditated thought about was this bit about Ringo Starr. And the, it was a very silly joke about Ringo Starr uh, getting to sing, getting the opportunity to sing a song for the Beatles. And it was Yellow Submarine. And so that was kind of what the bit was about. And so the idea was to kind of, you know, mimic the, a look that was similar to the movie, you know, Yellow Submarine. But it became very apparent that we were not going to be able to clear any of that. You know, like it was just never going to be budgetarily possible. 
Um, and, you know, it was pretty lean budget, you know, to be fair. Uh, so, you know, we were like, well, what else? And this was going to be the grand finale. A big, she wanted a big musical number to end the show with. And so I said, well, what, what do you have as a backup um, if we can't, you know, clear Ringo? And she says, well, I have this Dolly Parton bit. And she talked about it. And the bit is amazing. If people haven't seen it, uh, don't listen to the next, you know, minute uh, that I'm going to, I'm going to, cause I am, I'm spoiler alert right here. But um, the bit is about how she's listening to Dolly Parton on a road trip with her friends. And it's this very like lighthearted, kind of silly downright song what called Three Doors Down, Two Doors Down, sorry. That Three Doors Down is a band that's actually in the special. Um, two Doors Down. And she uh, imagines uh, this one part of the song comes up and she imagines that the fun that they're having gets cut short by a horrific car accident. And I thought that was hilarious because it just veers into utterly over the top tragedy, right? And <laughs> the car is like tumbling down a cliff and they're dying at the bottom of the cliff, covered in blood, gurgling on their blood. And the song is on repeat, so it starts up again, right? <laughs> so, uh, the juxtaposition of this joyous Dolly Parton song and everybody dying really struck me. And so she, she, she just, you know, told us this bit and I was like, Oh my God, that is so good. And she said like, right on the spot, like, like what, what kind of style would go with that? And I'm like, I don't know, like Pixar maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like Pixar is funny to me because they're they're definitely like cartoon characters, but they have like this human skin and like pores and 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 real skin. Like it's kind of creepy, you know. Is like real skin involved? Like sort of implies that they have like blood and organs and stuff that you don't think about in a normal cartoon. Yeah. And, and I just said, like, I just wonder what it would look like if Coco bled to death. You know, what does that <laughs> okay. look like? And they all laughed. And then we went to go on to do our budget parody of Pixar, which we did as, we did the best we could. Like, hey, you know, Pixar is a high standard. But uh, I think we I think we got up to, uh, you know, Barbie movie level, you know, <laughs> so uh you still you still uh, get a lot of great gory humor out of the grand finale of that. Amazing. I love that you're Spoiler. also reliving all of this just now. <laughs> <laughs> it's you very vivid. You mentioned budget a number of times. Are you talking oh. about like once you had a broadcaster on board like HBO and you figured out a budget for this or this is still ahead of well, time? I mean budget was always that was that you know you you asked earlier and i didn't answer it why this hasn't existed and i think that is the main reason why no one has done a uh a uh you know uh, a, a, an hour-long stand-up special it, you know it's just animation's expensive you know mm -hmm. and everybody that is working on it has got to get paid and there's a number of 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 quite a number of hours, you know, that need to go into the creation of this. So that's the reason why this has never really been done before, ultimately. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that, like, uh, as I said before, this is an idea that Tig has had. And I think she's talked to other studios about it. And, you know, she's she asked them, like, okay, so how long would it take to do this? And they, they put on their feature film cap and say like oh this is great we could totally do this for for 15 million you know and it's just like yo no you can't get that kind of money for this um so so yeah you know we did it for a, a literal fraction of that yeah and had to do it smart had to do it you know quick and dirty if you if you look at it you know in a way it's like producing you know 
14 or 15 animated shorts all at once. You know, that's kind of how that's, 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 that's really what it is. So, uh, you know, you know, kind of going in that some of these bits are going to need to be a lot of high production value over the top, you know, um, you know, uh, overwhelming, overwhelmingly good. And that other ones you can get away with doing like simple black and white, you know, limited background, you know, uh, type of things, you know, that going in, but, you know, of course I had to like put everything into everything. So, you know, we, uh, we, uh, I'm, I'm happy to report we did not lose money. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, and, and, and it was a success, but, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of, um, a lot of thinking, a lot of thinking that went into this. Well, congratulations. Um, how big was the team that ended up working on this? Huge. Um, I mean, you know, we did, we did outsource a few of the bits to, um, other studios Hmm. and we had, we had, you know, the one thing that's kind of nice about the pandemic the nice thing about the pandemic is it really erases a lot of the whole kind of uh, local kind of uh, prejudice that you might have, you know, like, Oh, they got to be in town or can't work on this. You know, now it's no different for me to work with somebody in Spain or India or Nepal. We had a group, great group in Nepal that did, that did work and working with somebody that's in Silver Lake, you know, like there's no difference. Uh, practically, except for time zone stuff, you know, um, which is, you know, we had a great group in Mexico City. Um, you know, uh, we had a group in um, Australia. Oh, man. How do you and, find these guys? Like, you just call up, you go through the phone listing in Nepal? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> they what? have to be in Nepal. They have to be in Nepal. <laughs> No. Like, so, uh, so you're like, okay, we need to outsource some of this animation because we don't have bandwidth or budget or something. We've been around for for 20 years. You so know, you, okay, we, we so have you, a we have a Rolodex. You know, and so uh, the answer is we've been yeah. around. <laughs> we 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 know people. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so tell me then, how do you originally get a contact of somebody who has a studio in Nepal or Australia or Mexico? Like, you know, you you just you have we a had project. A record, we, yeah, the Nepal studio, um, we we knew them already. So we had worked with them on a previous That's not an answer. I knew them already. <laughs> I suppose so. You, recommendations, you know, yeah. um, like, like uh, you know, all, even though a lot of these studios in town are, are technically our competitors, that doesn't mean that we don't like know each other and respect each other and trade you know, uh, uh, good tips, you know, when we get, when we get one and, and, uh, you know, and I believe that, um, we had heard about the Nepal team from, uh, Chris Pranoski who runs Titmouse and who like we go way back with, and that's a whole nother story, but there wouldn't be a six point harness if it wasn't for Titmouse. Like they were performing at the same time as we were, and we ended up doing some work for them that they had outsourced to myself and Brendan before there was a six point and we were able to use that money to kind of create our own studio. So, um, you know, that it, it, we're very close with them and, uh, they had told us about this team in Nepal and that's how, and so we worked with them, they do, they do CG work. And so we needed, we had a project that, you know, had some space battles in it and these ornate, you know, spaceships were flying around and, and they did all those sequences and, and they are, are brilliant. Um, and yeah, so that's, nice. that's, 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 that's the story with them. Um, the Australian studio is run by Ivan Dixon, who is a complete genius he used to run a studio called uh, rubber house. And then that uh, transformed into a studio show off. And so I just, I just, you know, uh dm'd him you know just said hey would you like to do something on this and he's like absolutely so yeah nice wow i I have some more questions i you mentioned you know tip mouse helped you get your start and i definitely want to chat about how you started the studio because you also said you know you're on 20 years anniversary but i I still have a couple questions just about the the special so like 
you know, mm-hmm. you have this, you have this package together and mm-hmm. you've, you've got like, okay, we've got an hour special. It's going to be animated. You have this pitch little thing together. Do you just start calling up all your contacts at all the networks and, and like, you, Hey guys, we got this I mean, new pitch thing going on. You know, you're going to want it because like, you know, take basic, basically, uh, yeah. you know, um, a, a lot of that work was done with, um, as far as the con- contacting networks and stuff, you know, uh, Ellen DeGeneres' company um, is uh, a producer on this as well. So mm. they're attached and they have, their connections are better than ours when it comes to selling, you know, selling stuff, uh, shows like that. Her name carries a little more weight than ours. But uh, so, yeah, the, a lot of that stuff was was kind of set up through um, Ellen's okay. company and, you know, Tignataro's stuff. And, and um, you know, we really just pitched uh, a couple of places and uh it was kind of funny because it was pre-print pre-pandemic so when we pitched hbo we all had to you know haul our asses down to santa monica where the hbo offices are and we went into a conference room and there was nobody there but the executives from new york were up on the screen oh my goodness so you could have just stayed home (laughs) before anybody knew what zoom was (laughs) before anybody knew what zoom was exactly so but yeah, they we almost sold that in the room, you know, like wow. it was just like, you know, HBO. They got it. They're just like, we they're, love this. They're, they're, the, they're the best when it comes to comedy, you know, yeah. so or when it comes to TV, practically in general, like their their stuff is just, you know, top notch. for. And what forever. was the timeline like between 2019 to 2021? Is that is it just the two years in between with them saying yes to coming out? Well, so meet Tig in October 2019. We worked uh, on the pitch, you know, it was kind of, you know, part-time, you know, working on the pitch until we pitched HBO in, uh, I'm going to say mid-February and they uh, greenlit it, you know, just like a day or two before the pandemic Uh lockdown, right? Okay. So, uh so that's March, whatever, 14th or something. And then, then there was like a, you know, like a, a few months of, you know, all the deals and all that stuff that takes forever, you know? So the whole time I was just sitting at home listening to 48 hours with a stand-up comedy and not working on the show. Yeah. Really. Other than thinking about it. And we, we, I think we started off in like, um, I want to say like July, uh, 2020, we, that's when we started to get going and we slowly ramped up and worked our asses off and, and we delivered it in July, yeah, 2021. Wow. So, there's, so a, there's a big gap between you initially getting this project and it actually, you starting to work on it. A I few guess. months. A few yeah. months. Yeah, so are, because they got to do all the deals and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you, yeah. uh, like, how does that work with the studio? Do you just, like, kind of, like, scale down and scale up as as needed with projects like this? Or do you have a whole bunch of just consistent work that is always getting we done? Have, and then... Yeah, we have consistent work that is always keeping the, the lights on at the studio. You yeah. know, um, like, I even, even, even now, it's like, you know... Um, we have we have so much stuff that is going on. Uh, I I want to say there's like six or seven projects going on right now, you know, that are all in different stages of of everything. So nice. Yeah, there's 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 a lot. So so you know, it's just I you know our production team is incredible, and they're able to kind of maneuver all of this stuff. I don't know how they do it. Um, <laughs> But uh, it, it is it is pretty in- incredible. Nice. So take me back to, uh, you know, the start of Six Points way back in the day, Titmouse. Well, or maybe even take me back to you. Like you, you got into well, this from wrestling or something, you said? You said? <laughs> like why animation out of all the careers funny, you could have chosen? Well, you know, it's obvious. You know, I love animation, you know, as, as a kid. I... Um, you know, I always drew, I, 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 I love it, but I think, you know, around sometime in high school, 
I just realized that I was never going to have a career in animation. I just wasn't good enough and it was too hard and I needed to figure out some, something else. So I kind of had a few, you know, like crazy ass years where I did various things. One of the things was um, working for about seven years in a comedy wrestling promotion in San Francisco. Um, and I, I learned a lot, you know, like seven was, years, that's not a short amount of time. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't full time, you know, it was like, uh, it was, it was a good run of like monthly shows in, in, in the San Francisco Bay area. Uh, we did a couple, uh, we did a few tours, you know, I got to go all over the country, got to travel Europe. Um, you know, we were, we were part of various things like the warp tour and things like that. Um, and it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was like just kind of one of those things where you start to understand how stuff is put together. And I think that's what I really took from it because, um, you know, my, my best friend was like the announcer and kind of, I guess, head writer, you know, of the show. And so we would always work on, on stuff and I would kind of you know, pitch ideas and we would kind of put together this show every month. And I, I just learned a lot about like how stuff works and how stuff is put together. And it was very much like a trial by fire thing. Wow. Um, about, about the same time I, uh, you know, I was working like myriad, you know, crappy jobs and things. And I, uh, I started, um, doing illustrations for AOL. This is way back in the day, right? And that was like my first art job though, you know, and I was like doing spot illustrations for AOL and they, it was at a firm, you know, like a design firm. So other jobs came after that and people were animating in this program called Flash. And I was like, you know, like what is going on? Like this is animation on a computer. It was unheard of, you know, as far as like on my level, you know, like, of course they were, you know, Pixar and things, but you know, this is like, how the hell is this happening? Um, so, and it was kind of during the dot-com boom. So people were spending money on everything right and left. And it was the kind of environment that's like, Oh, do you want to do that? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do that. So they would send me to like macromedia conference you know, and things like that. And I would learn how to make an animation. And, you know, my, 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 my art director was like a, a traditional guy, you know, and he had worked on the Hulk Hogan rock and wrestling show in the eighties, like Saturday morning cartoon. Well, it's like all this wrestling synergy. So uh, he, he did things in a very traditional way, like almost traditional animation, which in computers in those days was like, really really limited and i don't know something just kind of clicked to me where i was like we have all these layers you know if i put the head on one layer and put the arm on the other layer i can move them and it's not as taxing i don't have to do a whole drawing you know and you know this was met with a lot of skepticism you know but i was kind of like let's 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 do this and um are you telling me you invented rigged puppets (laughs) I didn't invent it, but it did occur to me. (laughs) (laughs) It did occur to me because I'm not that good as an artist. You know, I can't draw like, 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 you know, as well as my peers. So I, it was a, it was a cheat code kind of in my brain. And, and, and so I just thought like, oh, well, let's, let's, let's do this. And the first thing I animated was, it was Mickey Mouse. And it was, it was a, a, you know, remember back in the day, every website had like an intro. We used to call them skip intro because you yes, would, yes, you would, you, you would just be like, "Take me to the website, please. I don't need uh, this kind of fan with sound I don't need a, and like <laughs> I don't need a cut scene. I know it's like you're just on your computer and all of a sudden you just get blasted with music and sound effects and it's just like was a horrible thing. But Welcome. Walt <laughs> Walt Disney World 2000 was this big thing and. <laughs> Our firm created this very absurd uh, cutscene, you know, of a little boy in his pajamas 
who looks out of his window and sees a magical star and it creates this pixie dust that forms a Mickey Mouse in his bedroom and they hug. And that was the first thing I ever animated in my life. <laughs> wow. wow, for Disney, amazing. I know, I know, here I'm sitting there saying like, I'll never work for Disney. And here I am in a-, in a in Animating a, their website, intro, which millions of people saw. Their, their iconic character, you know, <laughs> It was like, so, like, so ridiculous. Get us, get us Greg. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Well, you know, it was the first thing I ever animated. Wow. And, so you... and yeah, it was it was it was so absurd. And and, you know, the dot com boom kind of, bur- you know, burst. I end up moving to L.A. and working for this video game network called G4, um, which was like a, a like a cable network for for video games. And I was the art director for a while. and. And then, you know, that that kind of imploded for a long time. Um, it eventually got back on the air. But when I was there, I was like one of like four employees at, at, at G4. And but I was in L.A. I had like a newborn baby as like a, you know, new wife and like new zero people, you know. Um, and so I kind of, you know, struggled for a while there, but I ended up getting a job on this flash animated movie uh based on a abs and it's the worst it this is the worst let me just preface this is the worst it's it's called jake's booty call and i worked on it for a year and unlike any project that i've ever worked on this had this project had no budget consideration whatsoever there's a Wikipedia page on this. <laughs> I just please, like... please don't. Please don't. It's awful. But the thing about it was, was like when we started that movie, well, that movie had been in production for a few years. When I came on it, it was supposed to be a two-month job. And that job ended up being like over a year, right? And every two months, I would say like, hey, what's up? And it's like, we're clearly not done with the movie yet. And there were like two more months. And that just kept happening, you know, throughout the entire thing. And there was, when I started, there was no storyboards. There were no script. The, well, the script, there was a script, but it was like the size of a phone book. And it was just this uh, completely absurd, uh, offensive, awful, you know, thing. But, you know, I had a, I had a baby, you know, I had to feed, you know, feed my yeah. kid. And little does your baby know that you're creating this. (laughs) Oh my God. And, and, and so, and the the important thing is there was no pipeline, you know? So like people were just working on scenes that they knew were going to be in the movie without any overview, you know, there was no director, you know, really. Um, And I'm going to write a book about this whole experience one day. So maybe when I'm finished with my book, you can have me back and I'll, I'll tell you all about the craziness of that production. But the important thing about it is that's where I met Brendan Birch, Sarat Tantivaranyu, Dave Vamos, Nick Lakiotis, all these people that we went on to form Six Point. And it was because we had created a pipeline, wow. you know, and, and, and Brendan was really the visionary on that Blair. It's like, we need to like come up with a system to finish all these shots because as it was, people were just kind of noodling around with things and, there was no deadline, you know, there was just, it was just going on forever. And we all knew that we would lose our minds. And, and it was really funny because we got pretty far with the movie and then we had to stop because the lease was out on the building. Otherwise it, we, I might still be working on it. Still you know, working like, on it. <laughs> 20 years later. I might be because it was just, it was just insane. So good thing um, the lease was up. Good thing the lease was up. So I, I, so I, I googled it and it's got a Facebook page with 37 fans, Jake's Booty Call. And it says Jake's oh Booty Call God. is a ridiculously fun series of multi-plot fa- flash animation games where the goal is to get Jake laid. Yes. So that was the series. I didn't work on that. I worked oh. on the- Oh, there's a whole franchise. This is a this is a universe. <laughs> Jake's got a universe. Yeah. You could still be working on this. I could still be working on it, but uh, regardless of all of that, uh, 
the important thing was we kind of had a system. We kind of had a system and we, we were like, we've got something here where we can make animation for broadcast on our computers. Yeah. There, this was a, it was a wild time, man, back then. Like there was a whole, there wasn't just this Jake's Booty Call movie. There was, there was another movie that was being made by Sony that was based on another shitty web uh, cartoon called Little Pimp. And Little Pimp was the rival production. Oh and my both, goodness. Everybody was like, I, and I, and to this day, I'm the only person to end up working on both. Wow. Things. So when I finally worked at, at Little Pimp, all of everybody that was left came up to me and said, what was it like over there? Oh my God, we heard all these stories. <laughs> And I'm like, well, okay, I mean, I'll tell you mine. You tell me yours because we had our story. You know, we heard stories about this one, and it was that theirs was different because they actually had like a big studio behind it, and nobody knew that this stuff wasn't going to fly. You know, at the time because you know we knew that the movie was garbage. Like we knew it was complete. Like it had no story. It was just a, one offensive thing after the next. But, you know, you have this thing in your head that is like this, our, our society might be low enough that this <laughs> becomes a huge thing, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just, I just read the plot of Little Pimp on their Wikipedia. It's even oh, worse. God. Like a nine-year-old boy befriends the pimp fruit juice who gives him a small amount of pimp glitter. And then he Bernie Mac was in that. Like, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm reading. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's like there there was a whole that was an era of Hollywood that I'm gonna write a book about. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so so you know we we kind of we created our our company. Brendan put all the paperwork in, and we didn't have a name. And within within hours of us getting that paperwork together. We got a job, and it was the opening titles to uh, the film Eurotrip. Oh my gosh! Uh, you were just you're just going from one <laughs> one of these from Jake's booty call the little little pimp to Eurotrip. To Eurotrip, <laughs> I know, right? Well, hey, so so you know, in a world where Eurotrip is a big movie that comes out, why not Jake's booty call? Yeah, <laughs> yeah why not? <laughs> so, you know flash forward to you know 18 you know 19 years later we've um you know we've 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 won an oscar for hair love we've um put out this you know really come full circle with the whole animated stand-up thing with tig and it's uh you know we're we're it's 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 amazing we have so many more things in the works it's 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 crazy um it's uh it's it's been quite a journey yeah um and uh, you know, hey, listen, you you can you can you can be like me. You could be like a loser who can't draw, to uh, being a, an animation veteran, if you just play your cards right. <laughs> Somehow get get AOL to send you to that yeah. Macromedia conference where you invent rigged puppets, and then. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I'm not claiming to invent rigged puppets, but it did occur to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, like, are there any crazy stories from the last 19 years of you, you know, picking up oh, clients man. and building the studio? And is there anything that stands out as like specifically interesting to, to highlight? Or specific lessons I mean, you've learned? Like, I guess, I guess overall, I'm interested in what you like, you know, you're one of the founding members of the studio that's been around for 20 years. Yeah. What, is, what is your ultimate goal that you're trying to go with is it just you know keep doing cool projects keep doing animation or are you trying to build up something bigger for yourself yeah. or smaller or reach us reach a state of this is my happy yeah. place you know uh that's a great question um i think that uh we've had we've 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 come dangerously close to um you know like what i would have considered a goal back in the day and the thing is is that nothing really changes you know like you 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 just get new problems right yeah like when you're starting off you know you're just trying to get to a place where 
you know, your you your shit is together and you're 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 got your head above water and your bills are getting paid and you're doing what you love. And that's really what the goal is. You know, I can I am very proud to say that I have supported my my family uh doing what it is that I love to do, which is just make stuff on the computer. Yeah. That's what I, that's, that's what I love to do. And, and, and it's, 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 that's the goal, you know, yeah. like it, it was great, dude, when they read off, when they said six point harness on the Academy award stage, I mean, yeah, yeah, it did bring it here to my eye. It absolutely. Um, but it didn't like really change like, like my life, you know what I mean? Like it was still like, I've got deadlines. I've got this, I got that. And you know, that's never, there's no, there's no place where you are satisfied. You know what I mean? Like that, if, if, if that happens, you're, you might as well die. You you die. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like humans are conditioned not to be satisfied. Did winning, you know, when you heard your name getting called, did that make the things a little easier for the student? Did more work come in? Did more attention come to you guys? Like, Oh, for sure. Should I go and try to win an Oscar for myself to, so I have a little easier. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, we worked a long time and, and like, uh, we've had, you know, projects that were like, Oh God, if we just get that. And then, you know, you don't get it. And it feels like the end of the world. Um, and then there's this other project, you know, that you're kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, and you work on it and it ends up being something that everybody loves. You know what I mean? And you're like, like, Oh, I loved it all along. Actually. (laughs) I mean, Hey, Hey, like, like, uh, that, that's, (laughs) that, that's a thing. It's like, uh, it's, it's, I'll admit it, that it's easy for me to get, um, lose patience or lose focus of the, of the, you know, I think that's uh, just, I'm just being honest, you know, like it's easy to kind of go like, you know, and, and, and go like, well, yeah, didn't, they didn't want to do my great idea. They want to do their stupid idea you know, (laughs) and, and that's a horrible poisonous attitude, you know, that you can have. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's something I see often, you know, in animation, it's like, um, a lot of, there's a lot of old grumps, you know, and I guess if you're going to ask me what my goal is, is to not be that, that's my goal is to, is to, is to, not be one of those bitter dudes continue to um you know uh keep the lights on in my home and and keep all the employees at the studio paid and continue to just do stuff that you know i I love and, and and find interesting knowing that the price to get there is doing stuff that i may not find that interesting but is keeps keeps the whole machine going because it's not just me it's it's all of the team at the studio and you know we've had we've had some amazing people like you know that have that we have a lot of people that have worked at six point over the over 20 years people that have gone on to you know win oscars of their own you know and win emmys of their own and and win awards and stuff and you know i i i mean come on like i never thought that i would come anywhere near an you know an award of any kind of any kind like that's just not you know that's just that's just you know it's that's just luck you know yeah and all of us have luck you know of some kind or another you know and it's uh it's 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 um it's just a thing and a lot of it has to just kind of be is being in the right place at the right time and and uh you know being being open to a challenge you know, I think that's uh, what it all kind of comes down to for me. Yeah, I, li- I really like what you're saying. It's very like, I don't know, it just feels very genuine. Like, you, you, I feel like you can't be in this industry if you don't love it, you know. Um, but I'm wondering, yeah. you, you know, you, from the start, like 99% of businesses fail in like the first year in like any industry. What sure. do you think? What do you think it looking back now? Like, what was mm-hmm. what was it that made you guys? get past that first year and reach a stable point where you could rely on this to keep the lights on and, and all this, all this jazz. 
Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's a, a thing really, you know, I think that it's always like something that it, it, it doesn't go away, you know, like it doesn't, it's not like, oh, I can relax now, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, like I still worry about keeping the lights on, yeah, you know, yeah. like, 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 I mean, not to the same level, you know, you know what I mean? But it's, oh, yeah. it's like, like, it's what, like what's next year going to bring? What's two years from now going to bring? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and so I don't think it's a, uh, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at it like that. I mean, the thing is, is that um, there have been times, you know, when the studio has struggled for sure, you know, where it's like, we're counting on this big job and it didn't come through or whatever, you know, we're counting on this or that, and it doesn't come through and we've got to go into scramble mode. You know, that happened, you know, uh, like 12 years ago or something where it was kind of kind of dicey you know and we just we just stuck together and we tried to be smart we tried to take roll with the punches and you know kind of kind of land the next thing and and (laughs) you know there's kind of a funny story where we had this really big job that went away at the last minute and we had been carrying a lot of employees to do that job and then all of a sudden we had nothing and we rebuilt the studio, you know, from the ground up with another job mm. that, um, that, that came through. It was a, it was a, you know, a, a, a movie for comedy central that we did a drawn together movie. And we had invited the, um, <laughs> we had invited the, uh, the executives and creators over and, Brendan, we called everybody. It's like, you come and sit at a computer, you know, <laughs> and pretend to be working. And, uh, and, and, oh, yeah, sure. And we got, we, we packed the place. You know, people came in and like, oh, yeah, this is really nice. So we then went into the conference room and had our long meeting, walked out. Everybody had left. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, cool, I did it. I'm, I leave. And then, you know, we we're kind of like, oh, yeah. Oh, it's uh, coffee time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> They're none the wiser. Oh my gosh! Uh, but like, hey, what it, it works. So, like, what's stopping? Like, so when you say we, who do you who are you talking about? Like you and myself, Brendan uh, Birch, uh, who is the 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 CEO, um, Dave Vamos. These were during a kind of our pirate ship years, yeah, you know, yeah. where it was just like we had no structure we were just taking jobs we were spending money we were had had a studio in the middle of hollywood and you know it was wild it was wild people people it was like kind of a of a you know animal house kind of atmosphere you know it was just like people partying all the time people working you know it was just it was like 10 years of that almost you know where we just you know we were we were just trying to trying to you know trying to work you know and it was had a kind of a dorm you know feel to it and we had to grow up you know and and we had to get you know like some um we not only had to get like help from from grown-ups but we had to become grown-ups <laughs> ourselves oh, you know no. so so yeah you know like like all of that comes from you know uh it's like when you're a kid, you know, and you, you fall off your bike, you know, doing something stupid, you know, you learn not to do that again. And, uh, you know, when you're dealing with more and more complex things, I think that falling your face can be a great thing for you personally, you know, like, uh, that's just how it goes. So what, what prevented you from, you know, you have all this skills and experience, what prevented you from going and working at a different studio when things got tough, instead of saying like, we're gonna like, so, so you mentioned three or four people, like, having like a tight knit band of people yeah. who are all in it is super valuable. But what prevented you guys from saying, you know, this is kind of hard and I'm getting an offer over here that looks kind of attractive. I, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I think we just really wanted it to work. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, you know, I, 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 I think that it, it, uh, it was always, the best option for me because I have worked at other places, you know, like I'm, I, unlike a lot of people that have kind of come through the studio, 
I under I like I I've, I've worked at some big networks, you know. Um, I uh, I did like just as Six Point was starting, I worked at a big network, um, and you know, I I knew that that culture wasn't for me. You know, I knew that that when it comes to a really big place like that, it's just so inherently political. Yeah. And and I went through a lot of weird political shit when I was there. And it's just not, you know, I, I knew that wasn't for me. And I, I didn't I didn't have any, um, you know, we, we get a lot of kids coming in from like sometimes straight out of school and their dream is to work for a Nickelodeon or, you know, uh, you know, a, a cartoon network or something like that. That's their like childhood dream. And, you know, I don't know, like it was it wasn't really my dream to work at a place like that but i did and i just you know like that experience or really early on at six point was it was like uh it was like now i would really i would really like rather make this work with my best friends you know and and as hard as it is this is so much more rewarding than kind of being in a being a cog in the machine that you know, um, which is kind of what, what, what happens to, to artists, you know, like, and, and it's something that we have to fight against too. Sometimes like we'll have, you know, like sometimes a producer will make a mistake and go look at artists. Like that's a animator, animator X, animator X makes, you know, 20 seconds of animation per week or whatever. And looks at it like a big grid without necessarily recognizing the person and treating the person like yeah that you know like like and you know i've had you know had to deal with that a, a, a couple times on projects over the years you know not not now um but like we had a, a very by the numbers producer that um you know uh we, we you know and it wasn't they were good you know, we're good at what they're doing, but there's the human element that right. as small as we are, it's easier to kind of deal with, you know. Um, I don't know why someone would want to work at Nickelodeon, to be honest, you know, like, like, I, I, I don't know, like, um, you know, part of it was like, you know, we didn't have, you know, benefits in the beginning, which we do now. Um, you know, I get that, like, that's a big one. Um, but, you know, like, like you it was just such a different culture, you know, like where I, where I worked, you know, I would hear artists say things like, man, Oh, I got so much work to do. You know, I have to do like, I have to do like three drawings this week, you know? And it's like, what? Like, well, I've been like listening to you talk to the cubicle next to me for like three hours about nothing. Why don't you do your three drawings? (laughs) Maybe you were, because like I've talked to people who work at Pixar, Nickelodeon, whatever, and they absolutely love it. You know, they're part of something bigger. They work on the things that, you know, they're, they've they yeah. always dreamed of, et cetera. Do you think yeah. that when you were working there, because like, do you had like a, I don't know, maybe kind of a bias to hearing more of like, this is cog stuff, because that's how you felt versus like, you know, if you were. That was my of, experience. That was your It was experience. just my, that was just my experience, yeah. um, you know, was kind of being a cog and i i i i'm i don't say i'm not saying that everybody at nickelodeon or anything is like a cog that's not what i'm saying i'm i'm just that was my experience on the show that i was on and uh and it was it was kind of of a of a weird experience where you didn't necessarily feel like uh you were being dealt with straightly you know you know i mean like it felt like there was everything was like so um couched in like spinning the truth in a way you know it was just weird so i i you know i had i had some issues with that so at six point what is like the culture that you because now you're more in control of you your career path a bit more Mm -hmm. and you know you have that uh like say in how things go and you feel like what what helps culture you're trying to create at six point so the culture at six point that we try to create is like, we have just a zillion different jobs all the time. 
And each job is a different thing, you know, and some of them are our client jobs. Some of them are our own development jobs, but no two things are the, diff- are the same. Yeah. You know, no two things are, 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 are ever the same. So I, when I look at our, the staff that we have, each one of these people are like an individual that has their own like passions, the things they want to do. And what my goal is, is to piece every person to the thing that they, that they want, that they want, you know, um, you know, sometimes we'll get, you know, like jobs in there. It's like, we want to do some anime looking thing. Well, I got like three anime freaks over here, you know, like they're, <laughs> they're going to love this. I feel and like I'm, you did that with Tig Notaro. Like the, the styles are, yeah. so, I was, that was like one of the things I was wondering. That's awesome. Well, that's, it's, it goes beyond Tig. It's like every, every job is like it's thing. And I just want people to be really happy and fulfilled. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've had, we've had some employees that are like, um, Hey, you know, I just kind of want to do what I do and not think about stuff. I just want to do my job. And it's like, really? Cause you'd be really good as a supervisor. I'm like, uh, you're, it's like, you're so good. Yeah. You're, okay. Okay. Well, you know what? You go, you, you do that. You know what? That's, that's, that's fine. Um, and then, you know, there's other people that have, all kinds of different talents, you know? And so I think that that's the kind of culture that I want to, we've all tried to kind of imbue in the studio, which is like, just really, really like um, feeding people's passions and learning a ton and, you know, letting people, you know, some people you can throw them in the deep end, you know, here you go, you know, and they love it. And then some people it's like, okay, okay, let's like, uh, deal with you, you know, how you want to be dealt with. And nice. no, I love it's that. all good. It's all good, you know, and, and, and it's, it's hard to keep the culture going, you know, in, in while we're all on zoom, you know, it's like really tough, but we're trying, you know, um, and we have our, you know, um, our dailies, our weeklies, you know, with everybody's got to stop what they're doing and, check out what's going on in the studio and, and our Slack channels are just bursting with, you know, <laughs> it's like, you need to get a new Slack plan. It says you're, you've outgrown this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. And, you know, but, but like, I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping it to the Slack, uh, you know, or keeping it to the, the pandemic, you know, zoom kind of culture, but what you really lose. And for me as a director, like when I'm giving someone direction, they can be nodding and they can be saying all the right things back to me, but I don't know that yeah. the, it's really been received to the degree of nuance that I've tried to communicate. Mm. And if I'm in the studio, I can just walk by their desk and see, you know, see what, see how it's going. But yeah. on, on Zoom, I uh, can't really do that. And then you kind of, get it when it's done or when they're ready to show it. And, and then you kind of, Oh no, that's not what I was talking about. Um, and, and, you know, so I've had producers try to solve this by saying like, Oh, we'll do a check-in, you know? And I'm just like, that's just like putting in another deadline, you know, like it does, it's not the way artists thinks, you know, like an artist needs to be in um, a zone, you know, and they need to be in that kind of creative mood um where there are no wrong answers and it's like if they've got two o'clock coming up they're just gonna you know wrap it up you know that's just the way the brain works so you know i think it's worth it to not do the check-in but uh take take a take a take a gamble and try to be as clear as i can and draw as much as i can to try to explain everything um and not just not just be so verbal all the time. Yeah. So I, I take it you're gonna try to get back into the studio as soon as as soon as you can then, as soon as it's safe and whatnot. I don't think we're in a rush, yeah. to be honest. I don't think so. Like it's got safety has gotta be, you know, we're we're not we're not chomping right now to like get back in the studio like some places are. I think I think we're doing fine. 
um, you know, like the work's getting done, the work is good. I can't complain, um, you know, about the quality, you know, it's all, it's all turning out really well. Um, it'll be great once, once we can, but you know, I, I think there, and thing is there are a lot of people have gotten really used to working at home. Oh yeah. And, sure. and a lot of people have, and I don't think that's ever going to hundred percent go away. You know, um, you know, I think it's the longer, you know, this continues, the harder it's going to be to get, get people back in. And, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're lucky in that we don't have like all this money tied up in like giant spaces, you know, like we have a big office in Echo Park that's been empty, but we've been smart about how we're using it. And, um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're, we're, um, you know, too, too worried about, uh, you know, rushing back into, into the office. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Well, Greg, we've talked about your whole <laughs> life and career, yes. starting from sorry, Greg, to wrestling. To <laughs> starting I think we went well over time. What you're working on? Is there is there anything coming up that you wanted to share, or anything else that you think would be interesting for people listening to know? About... Nah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, no, I, I, I mean. We have a lot of stuff, great stuff that's coming up. I don't think there's anything that I can talk about yeah. right now. You know, it's just not, not at that stage. So, fair, cool. Well, any yeah. last words of wisdom, things you wish you knew that have really drastically helped you in your career, or oh. anything like that? Oh my God! Oh no, uh, this is starting another new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, start a new podcast. Um, Nothing succinct. I don't know. Okay. I think I've, I've probably said it. I think I've probably said it in another way. Some, somewhere yeah, you else. Dropped, you dropped lots. Hour of... and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well then yeah. let's, let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming on the chat. Thanks for having me. Absolute it's pleasure. Been fun. Yeah. It's a total blast. And if you're listening yeah. and you want to get in touch with Greg or uh, find out about his projects or whatnot, you can follow him on Twitter at Greg underscore Franklin. Of course, you can check out Tignataro on HBO Max and uh, check out mm -hmm. sixpointharness.com to see all the products they're working on. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.